Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. I'm doing well. Springtime is in the air. Legacy decks are getting posted. It's it's a good time to be alive. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it was it was a little chilly today for spring, though, I have to say. Yeah, it did snow a couple inches this morning, but yeah, that's, yeah, it's kind of wild. That's spring. It's spring. Spring. It's definitely a New England spring. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but uh, I mean, other than that, you know, other than a little snow, things are going well. Yeah, whatever. You know, we can deal with it, right? Right. Exactly. They just, you know, a little, little uh, nuclear winter on the horizon to to get you <laughs> to get us, you know, warmed up for it. That's cool. Indeed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One thing I've actually. Um, wondered i guess it's not really that relevant because i mean magic is i'm sure big in russia but it's never been like as dominating in russia but mm-hmm. in some of my other hobbies right now like in eve russia is a huge community in that game mm-hmm. and so a bunch of those players can't play right now and so it's like actually affecting the like the game because really yeah because it's like well all these like Russian players can't play right now because like they're being shut off from, um, you know, access to the internet. They like mm-hmm. companies are like, they're refusing to accept Russian dollars and things like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but oh, the, because the ruble is worth less than a Roblox. Is that yeah, why? It, yeah, exactly. Like they're not accepting the currency. So it, it makes me wonder what, how that's going to affect, uh, like maybe like Russian language cards. Like, I mean, Russian language foils are already like super freaking rare already. Yeah. It's, it's not, I don't know how much, worse it can get but uh you know it'd be interesting to see if it has any impact on the game yeah i didn't really thought about that that's kind of wild actually yeah i never i don't really consider like uh like russia to be like a hub of magic activity yeah it's not it's not but it makes me wonder is like i wonder if it like anything ever happened to like japan or something like that how the impact would be felt you know if uh you know uh, japan got invaded (laughs) and we all of a sudden like like you you can't get japanese foils anymore pat like like there's just there's a blockade (laughs) uh that would be that'd be a big bummer that'd be a big bummer yeah they probably let the the non foils through though, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, the, NATO the is foils. like NATO is like, don't worry, guys. This is a this is a non foil yeah. shipment. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, fine. Just let it go through. I well, I think we have someone here today that would be very upset if if that was the case. You know, if there was a NATO blockade of Japanese foils, it's in, uh, yeah, that's entirely possible. <laughs> you guys are just baiting me. It's not fair. <laughs> this is the longest like segue intro that I just meandered away around to try and get uh, some relevance. But we have joining us on the cast again is Japanese foil aficionado, Mister Bryant Cook. How are you doing, Bryant? <laughs> I wish more people would introduce me that way. Like, it, feels, it feels nice. Thank yeah. you, Jerry. You're welcome. You know, how would you feel if NATO instituted a blockade of Japan, cutting off the source of Japanese foils? That happened at the beginning of COVID. Uh, Japan was not shipping to the United States for roughly eight months. It was a rough oh, time. Really? I, uh, I enlightened us on this because this is the first time hearing of that. I did not know this. 
Yeah, they were shipping to Canada and not the United States. They would ship to Europe. There's just like select countries that they would not ship to. Because we're plague rats. That's that's why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. So uh, I had some friends that lived in Europe that I was shipping to, and then they would ship to me. So I would have to pay an extra tax essentially on all of my cards. There's a mm-hmm. few times where it would get shipped into Europe. And then customs in Europe would claim a tax on my package. So I'd have to pay that tax and then pay the shipping to me. So I was just like getting bent over pretty much uh, <laughs> paying for these cards. Uh, it sucked. But then uh, during the second wave of COVID during um, Omni, the quit shipping to canada but then kept on shipping to the u.s i was like they make no sense anymore they just like reversed what they were doing before that's weird and what what i mean were there a bunch of japanese for oh i guess modern horizons 2 came out during i don't know that would have been after so what i guess tell me like what relevant cards were you missing that you had a you know do a smuggler's run to get your uh your japanese foil fix of <laughs> Well, I play a lot of formats now. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I started, but like once I started up with the YouTube channel, I started playing more formats. I started playing Pauper, and then I built like another Commander deck and then Modern deck. So I've just been buying lots of cards in general. But uh, I remember uh, right when COVID hit, I had bought, it was something like 16 Japanese foil lyrics, and I didn't get them. Like I placed the order. It took like seven or eight months for me to get them. Uh, but I, and I were they banned by the direct. time you got them? Oh, they definitely were. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Win some, you lose some. Yeah. Yeah. I also like how you two opened up on how it's spring. It's an actual blizzard here in Syracuse today. <laughs> New England broken. spring. Yeah. New England spring. Yeah, nine inches of snow. It's terrible. Hey, it's it stayed light until seven thirty today. That's really that all. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. But uh, so well, thank you for enlightening us on the uh, the state. I guess uh, we will we will see. Like magic players, will uh, will find a way. I'm sure the Russian foil aficionados will. Uh, you know, smuggle their, their packs uh, through the NATO block in order to get their Russian foils. <laughs> we, we will so see. I was going to mention that uh, during your very long intro, there's a couple of supporters of my YouTube channel who are Russian yep. and uh, a few of them felt guilty and messaged me. They're like, Hey, just want to let you know, Visa is shutting off all of our cards. My membership's going to, you know, cancel because I, I literally can't pay you anymore. They're yep. like, love your content. We'll sign up again eventually. But I'm going to be without money soon. I was just like, that is terrifying. Yeah. yeah. That like, uh, because like, if you think about it, I don't use cash. So what if at some point capital one is like, Oh, we're not going to allow you to use your card anymore. And all of my digital dollars just don't exist mm-hmm. anymore. Like it's all, pretty all, terrifying. All your fun money. I mean, exactly. If, if you think about it, paper money is the same way. Like what if just one day the treasury is just like, yeah, all that paper money doesn't actually mean anything. It's just slips of paper. <laughs> I mean, it never did. Well, that's why you sh- <laughs> exactly. controversial. Exactly. <laughs> and then we're all, we're all bartering Tarmogoyfs like the heathens we are. <laughs> the good old days. Yep. That's why I, that's why in my, uh, my house, I stock up gold bullion and foil Tarmogoyfs because those are going to be the currencies of the apocalypse. <laughs> I'm, I'm like 50, 50 on the gold bullion, but the, the foil Tarmogoyfs, like that's a sure thing. That's definitely a sure thing. It's crazy if you think about Tarmogoyf throughout the history of Legacy. I want to say it came out in like 2008 
And it was the bee's knees, like Merfolk played Tarmogoyf, Goblins mm-hmm. played Tarmogoyf. Like, yep. if there was a deck you could fit it into, you should. And now, the year's 2022, Tarmogoyf is actual toilet paper. Like, right. that card is not playable. If you're playing nope. Tarmogoyf, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's just the truth. Like, uh, if, if so, like how crazy magic has increased power level. If someone resolves a Tarmogoyf against me, I'm my first question, like not even trying to be me. My first question out of my mouth is like, oh, what, what made you decide to come back to the game? <laughs> because the, sure only, the only way they're playing Tarmogoyf is like, oh, they picked up their rug Delver deck circa 2014 and decided to give it another go. <laughs> when I got back into magic uh, back in like 2014, uh, like uh, Tarmogoyf was everywhere in modern. I, I don't, it wasn't as popular in legacy, I think at the time. Uh, but I remember hearing it in all the deck lists in modern and uh in now you just don't you don't see it anymore. It's just it's just uh it's been outclassed, man, right? So you guys class. saying I should switch up my emergency currency and and not basically Yeah, Dragon's Rage Channeler. Race. Just switch it out for full of Dragon's Rage Channeler, it'd be fine. Okay. That yeah. that'll that'll so be the currency. It's been a while that. since I've been on here. And uh I'd like to say, Pat, I thought of you a few times in band discussions because you're the blue red Delver guy, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people would be like, oh, I can't wait for them to ban X creature so I can go back to playing Young Pyromancer and Monastery Swift Spear and Spray mm-hmm. Dragon. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, this person is Pat Uglo. Yeah. Uh, but also, <laughs> those cards are unplayable. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, 100%. But it doesn't like, mean I don't want to play them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like blue red delver has so many like disgusting threats waiting yeah. in the wings it's yeah. if you want to play the whale or sprite dragon or pyromancer or whatever um there's just so many options and i think people are always like no we need to ban this card i'm just like oh great so they can go back to playing this like right no exactly cares. yeah there's just there's just there, yeah there's there's so many yeah. options for that deck it just it is i mean honestly like i kind of i got lucky in picking like blue red delver and that being like my legacy deck um, just because it's been like a viable option, it was vi- it was viable option back then, but now it's just it is like a you know a, a very solid deck choice week in week out. So um, yeah, I mean, listen, I my my favorite build of Blue Red Delver was the least powerful version, which was the Prowess build with with G Probe um, and like Swift Spear. And, like I just really 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 liked playing that version. Um, no, to be fair, that version was very powerful when Treasure Cruise was legal. Like okay, pra- but I'm talking Prowess Blue Red Delver. <laughs> I'm talking Blue Red because Red I didn't Cruise. play Treasure Cruise. I got into Legacy just after Treasure Cruise was banned. I played a little bit of Dig Through Time, but then that got banned. Uh, and then I was just playing like the essentially it was like I called it like the, it was the Prowess Gang. You know, it was like Monastery Swift Spear. I mean, obviously we had Delver of Secrets, but it was, it was Swift Spear. It was uh, uh, what was out of the Prowess creature? Uh, oh my gosh, Storm Chaser Mage. Uh, you know, the, the the you know just just bad cards, right? Like not. Oh, you mean like 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 True Name Nemesis? Remember when True Name Nemesis was playable? <laughs> Yeah, that was like a beat. That was like a beat. I was like, oh, true name. Yeah. Completely unkillable win condition. Yeah. Now you're like a three one for three. Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I I look upon those days fondly. And I hope, I hope we, you know, I mean, you can't pine for them because they're never going to come back. But, uh, Watsy just keeps shoving overpowered creatures down our throats with every modern set they release. So they're just they're just they're steadily ruining the all the uh, eternal formats that they have. But it's fine. It's yeah, it fine. So I have two I have two points I'd like to make. I have a, a friend group where they always refer to Bob Huang uh, 
like breaking the format with Treasure Cruise. I'm like, yeah, like if Bob didn't come along, no one would have figured out Treasure Cruise was absolutely <laughs> busted. Like that's definitely oh, are they what like, happened. Are they like angry at Bob? They're like, curse that Bob Juan for destroying <laughs> legacy. <laughs> it's all his fault. All his fault. Like, Damn it, uh, Robert. They just give him credit a lot when it comes to the cruise decks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think somebody else would have figured it out. It's just like Bob won week one with obviously the most busted shell possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and props to Bob. Like, no like angry feelings or anything there. It's just like, yeah, Bob looked at this card and went, oh, for ancestral recall. Like, right. yeah, it wasn't difficult. Seems good. Um, but I think they should introduce like time capsule formats into Magic Online. You know how every once I, in a yeah. while there's like the no ban um whatever or like the band like deck no for, like, no, ba- no band modern and like the- no not that but there will be like the, the band deck so it will be like uh this deck list was banned and we're gonna upload this and then you pick a deck and then you can play a league with it it happens like once or twice oh, a year yeah i've they've done things like uh like most powerful decks from magic's history and it's just like a bunch of standard decks for, uh, from the entire history of magic. And you just get like a randomly one assigned to you. And then you just play a play. A yeah. They did one with modern, but you could pick it too. It'd be fun to see one with the legacy, um, like one of those, but also like people are always talking about how they like uh, pre Innistrad legacy or post miracle band legacy with death right or whatever. Uh, magic online could upload that as like one of those short term, formats you could play uh mm-hmm. because i think it'd show because like there's those discords where they have roughly 200 people in them what would the interest be if it was open to all of magic online for example like it would be interesting to see that well I, yeah i really wish magic would do that like we are starting to see them have some more uh openness to strategies like this i think the biggest thing holding it back in the past was the fact that you had to give people these cards like it, it kind of took away from the collectible aspect of magic online mm. because you had to just give these people cards, even though it's only temporary. And even though you can't really change the deck list at all, it's still just like, it's kind of undermining the idea of owning the cards. But in recent years, we've seen magic kind of give, give ground on that argument with things like, uh, you know, eternal Weekend, where you get the God accounts and you can make, you know, any deck you want. So I, that's I an effect hope- right now, Jerry. I know. So I, I really like that Magic Online is doing more of this because, yeah, I think you're right, Brian. There is a lot of untapped potential there because my comparison I was going to bring it to is like, look how successful something like Vanilla World of Warcraft was. Like people want to go back to those like moments in time, uh, you know, when, quote unquote, the game was good, <laughs> you know, as they like to say. And mm-hmm. I think I think Magic Online could definitely take advantage of that similar, uh, you know, nostalgia bank. They could also just say, hey, from now on, $25 unlimited God accounts, or they could say 50 and then during select points of the year, they'd be 25 and they would absolutely destroy the bot market. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of scary because, like, honestly, uh, I love Card Hoarder. I've never used Mana Traders, but uh, I'm a big fan of Card Hoarder and their services. And they, like, if Wizards just introduced the God accounts, like it would crash the economy, like tickets and card prices and everything. Yep, it would. I think that's what's keeping them from doing like the full-time God accounts is, is that exact reason. But I don't think there's any problem with doing like the, uh, you know, Hey, we're going to do busted legacy decks dot format. And you just like sign up and you get to choose a busted legacy deck. And, you know, you enter a league and that that's what you play against. I mean, it would get stale because there's no innovation, but, you know, just make it for a temporary time period. I wonder how they do it. Like, do you think 
that they'd only put reasonable decks in there or like do you think they'd put like flash in there honestly well what's the what's the power comparison like i feel treasure cruise delver versus flash is actually a fairly fair matchup like it's i mean it's hard kind of judging power levels and obviously the powerhouses of yesteryear they're not going to be as powerful as like the newer decks but i don't know i still think it would be pretty pretty interesting to see like maybe flash hulk is going to crush you know skull clamp s for stone blade but you know that's just kind of luck of the draw <laughs> i don't think miracles like counterbalance top miracles would beat flash like i, I probably just offended a lot of people and i'm glad <laughs> but i don't think that would win like i don't think miracles would beat flash all right so what's our what's our eight all right let's say they they have eight deck options what are our eight you know god tier decks from magic legacy's history that we would want to see as the options so i think if we're including flash that's one of them i think you probably put in the green white survival deck i know caleb uh derward originally played the blue green one but it became green white by the time it was banned so i think you'd want that you'd have to put in top miracles uh, you probably want like the Death Rite Delver deck, so that's four. Uh, I would you could probably yeah, put Death, in Breach, like the four color Death Rite Delver. Um, yeah, you could Breach would be five. Uh, you'd probably want like the Oko uh, Dread Horde Run and Six deck. That would be six. Yep, uh, I think you also also have to have the Blue Red Treasure Cruise. Yep, that'd be seven. There's that's like three Delver decks. We'd probably want the eighth to not be a Delver deck. <laughs> Although a lot of bannings in this uh this format involve that that shell. Like my personal system. choice, my personal choice would be the uh uh dig through time omnitel list. That was a pretty disgusting list list as well. Okay. Uh you could probably include uh like ant or something since they had probe. Uh I, right, I don't yeah. know. I'm also trying to think uh like originally you could also include like mystical tutor ant, like that old list from way back when. Mm-hmm. Uh that'd be another good throwback. Yeah. I love how you brought me on here to talk about Sneak and Show, and now we're just like reminiscing about old magic decks. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you get a bunch of, you know, three long in the tooth magic players in the same room together. <laughs> we're all going gray, Jerry. It's true. My girlfriend's been plucking uh, gray hairs out of my beard. It's, uh, it's a daily torture. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that just for men. I know. Or maybe I just go the other way and I get that the salt and pepper, uh, the salt and pepper hair dye. And I go for it's the. A, it's a good look, man. It's a good look. Oh, man. But should we talk about should we talk about some sneak and show, Brian? Because uh, I mean, if you want to. I mean, I always want to talk about Sneak and Show. Bryant had me on the epic storm.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com.com
is that TS has a weaker sneak and show matchup because we cut all of the discard. Yes. I think the data backs that up. I think Jerry hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Uh, like Tess losing discard was like a, a blessing for sneak and show. Like that was, I remember so many games I've lost the test. Like Brian, cause Brian, we, we end up playing a lot during the same time. So we, we get paired up against each other on magic online, uh, you know, fairly regularly. And uh, I just remember losing so many games to cabal therapies and thought seizes. Like those things just shredded us. And now like you're not running anything or I think, are you maybe running like a single thought season, the sideboard or something like that? Like no. not, not, yeah, like not even a single thought sees as a wish target anymore. And yeah, like losing that has made the matchup significantly easier. Yeah. So I think uh, one of the weaknesses of the Epic Storm at the moment is opposing blue combo decks with force of will. So the Epic Storm changed how it was built. It used to be this black belcher empty the warrants combo deck. And then we figured out the wish claw list. And with the wish claw list, we're definitely a deck that tendrils. Like I have data that proves we tendrils like 85 plus percent of the, like it's so often like we barely empty anymore. Um, and the deck changed a lot. And part of what happened is recently I've started calling my deck list, the Delver killer. Uh, I've, it's a joke, but we're running four galvanic relays, four carpet of flowers. And we actually just put Delver in the dirt. I'm sorry, Pat. I don't mean to offend you. <laughs> it's okay. But uh, <laughs> okay. my win rate is very, very, very high against Delver decks. Uh, like plus 80%, like I'm doing very well. And I think a big part of it is Galvanic Relay. It's redneck repotents. Like it's just so mm. good. You, like the only way that the Delver decks win is if they have Fluster or Stifle. And those cards just like aren't really good in the Delver shell. So if the Delver player wants to beat the Epic Storm, they can. But why would you ever run Fluster or Stifle? Like it just doesn't make sense if you mm. want to be a competitive player. So I get to play these cards that just are really good in the matchup. And with Galvanic Relay, you don't need to play a bunch of discard spells because your engines are so powerful, you can overcome dazes and forces and whatever. So if they have Force Negation and Force of Will, good luck stopping my Galvanic Relay. So we just plow through a bunch of counter magic now, so you don't need to play more than the Veil of Summers and Defense Grids because you just let your deck do the rest. And because of that, decks like Sneak and Show and Doomsday get to kind of just do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, I, that point says out on the article, like a big thing that you don't even really realize at first is the fact that there's no thought seizes or cabal therapies means that we don't have to keep our brainstorms to use defensively because as an AB combo deck, like sneak and show needs to protect its combo pieces. Because if you thought seize away a grizzle brand, like that sets us back several turns because now we have to not only find our show and tell, we now also have to find our grizzle brand. So instead of using brainstorms to dig, we often would have to, you know, hold on to the brainstorms, just use retro, uh, you know, uh, defensively in the face of a thought seize. And without those thought seizes, now I'm just like, I'm firing off brainstorms as, you know, as often as I can, just digging for answers. And it just speeds up our gameplay by that much, you know, that much more. Yeah, I think one of the things about the Thoughtseize effects, and if you're listening to this, you're like, obviously you should be playing Thoughtseize. It's so good against Sneak and Show. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, like, one, Black and Legacy is the worst it's been in a very, very long time. Like, the color black is just not very powerful right now. And, uh, like, playing Thoughtseize effects, it's really tough from a combo perspective because... One, Mystic Sanctuary is a card all the blue decks play now. Well, all the control decks, at least. So you might thought sees them discard their force. They put that force right back on top of their library. So that's awkward. And then there's, well, 
force and negation exists now. So if you thought seize them and see force blue card force force, okay, or five or double force and three blue cards, whatever, they don't have to exert anything. Where if you play cards like Veil of Summer, Defense Grid, whatever, they have to lose that other card if they don't want to lose the game. Like must counters are definitely more impactful against decks with force effects. I guess is my point here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of funny that uh, you know Veil of Summer got printed, and then that couple. I mean, it was kind of already on the downswing with Deathrite Shaman getting banned, but Veil of Summer really put a big nail in the coffin for a lot of things like Thoughtseize and him to Torak, and. You know, now Veil of Summer isn't really as useful anymore. Like I talked about in the article how, you know, I'm not running Veil of Summer in my sneak and chill list anymore just because it's not as relevant. Like it's not worth splashing that third color for green when we don't really have to worry about discard spells anymore. And even with Veil of Summer on a big downswing, we're not seeing black come back. Like there isn't really any reason to be in black right now, you know, especially since all the... uh Dark Depths decks are now being, you know, more uh, green white styled uh, since they don't have to rely on Urborg anymore. I think you brought up an interesting point, Jerry, and I've talked a little bit about this in the Storm Discord. And it's that in time periods where Veil of Summer is bad, people don't pick up Thoughtseize decks. And they're like, well, if I do really well with this deck, that means that people are going to start playing Veil. But that means that it's a healthy cylindrical format. I don't know why people all of a sudden assume that's a bad thing. Like if <laughs> no one's playing Veil of Summer and you do well with the black deck and then people adjust to you, that's how magic should work. Yeah, that's called that's called the metagame. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like people are just like Veil of Summer's not seeing play anymore, but still people are not picking up black cards. And I just don't think there's enough, like there's not enough uh value to it because you know Deathrite Shaman's banned. So that's that was one of the biggest reasons to be in black in the past. But then also, if you think about, you know, what does black have to offer? It's like, okay, well, I mean, what are its threats? Like Tombstalker? Like Tombstalker's laughable now, you know, compared to even, uh, you know, the whale, let alone like Murktide Regent. Like, why would I I I ever want that? I think the big things are like Plague Engineer. That's probably the primary reason to be playing black nowadays. Yeah. Um, and then, like, it used to be Gurmag Angler and the Delver Shells because it was a big, cheap fatty. But, like, yep. there's just Murktide Region. Or, yep. like, there's so many other cards that you can be playing. So the reasons to be playing Black are pretty slim. Uh, like, I guess you could argue that Thoughtseize in your Delver Shell. Every once in a while, I do get paired into Grixis Delver. And I think, why? Like, and it turns out they're just playing, like, a couple of Thoughtseize in the sideboard or like a plague engineer and it's not really a decent black splash it's like this person really wanted to metagame for some reason yeah or maybe the, they're a grixis at heart sort of person i don't know well remember when liliana of the veil was a hundred dollar format staple you know like even liliana doesn't really seem that great compared to something like teferi like mm-hmm. you're gonna play liliana she doesn't see modern play yeah, like like why? <laughs> like why why play black right now? There's not a whole lot of reasons to. Uh I was listening to something. If I could remember, I would credit them, but I can't think of it right now. And they were saying that spells weren't the problem, it's actually the threats. There's no good black threats. Yeah, I agree. I can't think of what it was. And I'm I'm gonna feel like really dumb if it was like Brian or something on our own podcast, but like I was listening to something and they were talking about that, and I was like, that's an interesting point. I've never really thought of it that way because I'm not someone that plays a whole lot of creatures, but yeah, I can definitely see it. 
Yeah, it's just like every black creature has been outclassed, you know, for as a win condition. Plague Engineer is more of a spy. We even put that in the spell category. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's a creature, but it's a creature secondary. Um, and it sucks because uh, like Dothy Voidwalker is such a cool card. And we really thought that was going to, you know, make some waves. And I just think it, it suffers from the fact that there's nothing backing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Speak for yourself. I hate that card. <laughs> I mean, I've I've had that thing cast in Emmercool against me, so I've I've definitely suffered the beat stick of Dothy Voidwalker, but um, that was in Cube. It was not in Legacy. <laughs> All right, don't cheat. I just looked it up. What do you think the most played black creature is? I'm actually surprised by this answer. Don't cheat. Don't look it's, it up. It's not Plague Engineer. It is not Plague Engineer. Merit Lage doesn't count. It is not Merit Lage. Um, does does bail does does baleful strix count because it's hybrid? It, it it does, but it's not baleful strix. Don't it's, look up the answer. This no, is I won't, according I won't, to Goldfish. I'm thinking most played black creature. So not baleful strix. strix is it is uh, street, It's not street wraith, is it? It is not plague engineer. Is nine. This is coming in at number seven. Okay, so more than plague engineer. More than baleful strix. Uh. It's not rotting Regisar. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact: It's also not Crystal Brand. Oh yeah! Wow, why well, dumb of me not to think of Crystal Brand? Um, really? Oh, uh, Archon of uh, nope. not no. Would you like the answer? Has this yeah. gone on long enough? What's what's the answer? We, yeah, Fairy Macabre. What fairy macabre? Okay, I haven't really hmm. seen According people to using that on sideboards. Uh, goldfish okay. data is watered down. Uh, we all know that like they make Delver look like it's not as dominant as it is, but yep. um, even with their watered down, whatever uh, fairy macabre is coming in at number seven, which is kind of wild because hmm. it's really like a colorless card. It's not even truly black. Right. Uh, that's fascinating. And I like, I feel like I haven't really seen, well, I don't really play graveyard decks that much, so I wouldn't see it that often anyways, but I just feel when I'm looking at lists, I don't notice fairy macabre compared to like other graveyard hate. Yeah. These top creatures, uh, I feel like that can't be accurate. This list must be busted. Uh, (laughs) it has brazen borrower at number. There's no way that's correct. It's just my percentage of decks. So like maybe a variety of decks play it where like murktide regent is number two, but it has like uh the numbers are much higher it's just just counting decks that showed up in rather than number of copies because i guarantee you yeah like that's exactly what it is okay so i guess it's like slightly more versatile uh but below that it's like endurance murktide delver channeler whole breacher all those boring cards so jerry one interesting the circle back to your article one interesting thing i thought about your article is you felt like you wanted to be the combo player in the matchup which is pretty yeah. interesting to me because uh, I don't talk to that many sneak and show players because, well, why would you want to? And uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to communicate using, you know, sign language. You know, thank, thank you to Jane Goodall for teaching us uh, sign language all those years ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was a little surprised that you said you wanted to be the combo deck because I feel like yeah. in the matchup, uh, it, it, it goes back to the whole like mid range war thing. Like you're the bigger combo deck you have force spell peers sometimes days if you're on that list in the article you talk about how days isn't good but uh i i just thought found that interesting because usually the deck with the access to the counter magic wants to be the control deck and you said no i'm the combo deck yeah because in my experience being the control deck in that matchup is a trap because tess has way more ways to win the game 
and also being a deck that can take advantage of Veil of Summer, like Veil of Summer will just force through your combo over our counter magic pretty much any time. Um, like Veil of Summer is such a hard shutdown for us that I've just lost way too many games where I try and be the control deck and I dig for counter magic and it doesn't go my way. And so that's why when I play against, you know, the Epic Storm, people will like think it's weird, but like I'll ponder and I'll see like Island Lotus Petal Force of Will and I'll, I'll shuffle that. And people are like, why are you shuffling away Force of Will against, you know, Storm? And it's because, you know, while I have that Force of Will, that's three, you know, up to three turns that I'm just not going to have any combo action. And I, I don't want to be sitting on my hands you know, waiting for storm to blow up in my face and hoping I can contain the explosion. You know, I would rather, you know, (laughs) go off on my own terms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you kill me with a top deck because I shuffled away the force of will, you know, that's just kind of the way the the cookie crumbles. I would like to say phrasing in there, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I do sort of agree with you. A lot of players feel like they need to have a sense of urgency or control over every single thing. And honestly, I feel like that's a little bit of like a sociopath uh, sort of play style because like if I lose, like sometimes I'm just like, yeah, they're decked to their thing. But there's a lot of players out there that feel the need that they need an answer to everything. They should be control of everything. And I just find that really fascinating because Mm -hmm. like it's not a great way to play magic. I, I find that your win percentage ends up being higher if you just accept that you're not going to be in control uh, and you should just do what your deck does well. Yeah, that that's something it's kind of a life advice that I got from magic and specifically from playing sneak and show is just, you know, learn to accept the things that you can't control. Mm-hmm. Like I've just had it too many times where I've like snuck in in Emmercool, you know, blown up all of my opponent's permanents, you know, hit them for 15, putting them on like three. And then I lose that game because I never draw another creature for 10 more turns than my opponent, you know, top decks, Island Delver, and then kills me, you know, just, yes, that, that just happens sometime. And you just have to accept it. You know, that's, that's the trade-off of having a really powerful deck is sometimes it just breaks down, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can buy that Ferrari, but that mechanics bill catches up with you every once in a while. <laughs> so are you trying to say here that sneak and show players drive Ferraris, Jerry? Yeah, we it's we're actually sneak and show players are a Wall Street bets meme where we're apes all driving Ferraris with like bags of money, like blowing out in the breeze. That's that's pretty much what every sneak and show player is like, at least from my experience of my personal, uh, you know, personal interactions with them. You heard it here from Gerald James, me, (laughs) the third Esquire. According to MTG Goldfish, Sneak and Show is $5,200. Yeah, I can see that. Everything's so expensive. The thing is, this is actually one of the cheapest Magic Online decks right now, so you can actually play it. Uh, according to this, it's roughly 550 tickets. It's uh, it's in between. I mean, it's no 8-cast, right? Like, 8-cast is like 1,300 tickets. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely disgusting. I mean, I... I base my idea of affordable magic online decks of can i rent it with a rental service if i already own force of wills (laughs) because that's that's basically my personal experience with magic online these days so if it if it checks that box i'm 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 considering that deck affordable Hmm. 
I'm uh, skimming through the article, Jerry, to see if you had anything else interesting to talk about. I don't know if you had anything. Oh, there was something I wanted to ask you about. Oh, um, I was I was interested that you brought up Empty the Warrens, uh, whether Steak and Show was afraid of Empty the Warrens. Was there any particular reason behind that You know, question? So uh, I am not the author of the article. Fun fact, uh, it is Greg. And uh, there's a, a couple questions that are just like month to month. And that's one of them. Um, so the Epic Storm isn't just me. I'm only one individual. So we have a team of, I believe, six of us now. And sometimes I'll do the introductions for, uh, you know, introducing people to certain decks because I know a lot of legacy players. So Jerry, I thought of you when it came to Sneak and Show. Oh. And uh, so I, I sent you Greg's uh, questions, gotcha. but I do it for a number of series. I'm pretty hands off at this point, if I'm being honest. I'll, like a lot of people, I think, believe that I do the editing, uh, which isn't true. We actually have our own editor, Mitch Blankspore, who runs the Modern Gift Storm site. Uh, Mitch is our editor and he just does a fantastic job. So I'm pretty hands off. Like once a writer gets good enough, uh, I pretty much just look at the articles to see if there's like visual improvements that need to be made because mm -hmm. I'm a web designer, like that's what I am by trade and uh, editing articles is not really my skill set. So uh, I, I just look for like content improvements, like, Oh, that's not a good question. Maybe you should ask it this way, or maybe you should approach the matchup from this perspective when writing about it. But uh, I'm definitely more creative than I am like editing and all that stuff. Yeah. One thing I also wanted to talk, we kind of about, talked about this in the pre-show, but um, one thing I wasn't aware about the Epic Storm is you guys have like monthly themes. So you mentioned like the Empty the Warrens was a monthly question, but right now you're doing kind of like a sneak and show theme on the website where you have a bunch of articles about the sneak and show matchup. Do you feel that kind of just gives you a nice cadence to the articles and just do you have something to talk about every every month or what's kind of the thought process there? We used to just all individually pick a deck and do it. And then we had a month where all three of us decided to do, it was like a hot new deck at the time. I can't remember what it was, um, but we were like, why don't we all write about this one topic? And the fans loved it. So we did a couple more times. And then after a little bit, it became the norm. So every month we, at the beginning of the month, decided a deck that we're going to write about. So this month it was sneak and show. So I write about matchup hands, like what sort of hands do you want to keep in this matchup? Greg would interview an expert. This time the expert happens to be Grand Prix top eight competitor, Gerald James Meme. I, and, I, was, I, was, uh, I was like, oh, who's the expert? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Alex Poling would do the TES perspective. So Alex would write how you should approach the matchup playing his TES. So by the end of the month, if anyone is interested about how the matchup looks or feels, they can get a variety of perspectives and how they should approach the matchup. Mm -hmm. So it helps uh, that. Yeah. I, I actually really like that, that style that you go about just because it feels like all the articles build off of each other. And I don't know, it just, it almost has like a, like a chapter feel like you're, you're, you know, here's the sneak and show section next month. We're going to do the death and taxes section. And, you know, it just makes a, a really great learning experience as far as like getting used to a particular matchup and, and just kind of just getting it under your belt. I, I like that style. I can see why it's popular with the fans. I think it also leaves people wanting a little bit more like yeah. if they know that there's going to be an article coming up on sneak and show that they'll want to read before the end of the month, they'll come back to the Epic storm. Maybe mm -hmm. they'll watch a video or buy a token pack or whatever. 
So uh, it definitely plays into that. Or, or a glass. I, I actually am, am sad, Brian. My my Epic Storm pint glass shattered this week. I was very sad. Well, uh, Jerry, uh, this is a truth for you. I am down to my final box of pint glasses, <laughs> and uh, I am not ordering anymore. Uh, so the fun fact, in the back end of the website, I can see canceled orders. And... I don't know the percentage that are canceled, but I will say out of the pers- out of the canceled orders, it's almost always when people get to shipping. They're like, oh, I have to pay shipping? Mm. I don't want this. This isn't Amazon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so people cancel orders. And like, it happens. I don't really care. But uh, I think it happens the most on the pint glasses because obviously there's weight to pint glasses. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, I didn't realize that I'd have to pay like $8 in shipping, which so is fine. For me, it's the ratio. Like, I don't mind about paying $8 for shipping or $15 for shipping or something like that. It's, but it's when it's like, oh, here's a $7 item with $8 of shipping. <laughs> you know, that's, that's when, that's when I'll cancel an order. Cause I'm just thinking like, why am, why am I doing this? I'm like more than doubling the cost of the item, you know, just paying shipping. And yeah, you're right. Amazon has definitely spoiled us in this regard where like, we just take shipping costs for granted now. Yeah. I mean, I can't get my, like I ship at what it costs me. I don't even include the, the shipping items in there. So like if I have to Mm. ship you in bubble wrap and in a box, like none of that goes into the shipping costs. Like I, I ship at cost and I just eat everything else. So like, I don't know, like if people cancel, they cancel it. It happens. Uh, I did ship to one of my Russian uh, patrons over the course of COVID. I shipped them eight pint glasses. I shipped them like super packed. Well, was like, these have to go all the way to Russia. I really don't <laughs> want these to like break. I got them back about a month and a half ago, just completely shattered. Some of them were missing too. I'm like, that means that somebody opened up this box. Um, <laughs> and like, cause like there's only four broken bottoms in there out of the eight that I shipped. I'm like, does that mean some customs person totally just kept four pint glasses? Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Is there, is there some storm fan in uh <laughs> <laughs> or watch yeah. it's not even a, watch it's not even a magic player they just they they're just a, a meteorologist they're just really into uh some some nice storm storm weather uh formations <laughs> exactly uh yeah i i could see that 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 definitely stinks that stinks i mean you know what what can i say other than more spoils i don't i don't have a solution for that Maybe if there's a uh, an upcoming leaving a legacy event, and if I happen to be in the neighborhood, I'll drop off a pint glass for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, excellent! That that would be great. Maybe we could actually just have everyone put their orders in, and in the like the little memo, they'd be like, "I'll be out leaving a legacy. Please hand deliver." <laughs> <laughs> I think I only have like twenty of them left, and when they're gone, they're gone. I'm just not making any more. And they they are really nice. Uh really nice uh pint glasses i mean the only reason why mine broke is because i was practicing my breakdance moves and i uh you know spun around too quickly and just backhanded the pint glass against the refrigerator and just shattered against the stainless steel refrigerator so you <laughs> broke dance it but it- yes my my girlfriend was really like what are you doing because from her perspective it just looks like i just like took the pint glass and just like hurled it against the the uh refrigerator as hard as i could like from her perspective that's what it looked like i like the idea of jeremy just breaking into song and breaking things 
No, sometimes you're just really excited about cookies and milk <laughs> and you throw your glass of milk against the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that, but sure. I, I no? suppose that happens. Am I the only one who spin moves? Like, you got, come on, you got the socks on. You got the linoleum floor. There have been multiple pint glasses I've saved, like from falling with like a kick of my foot. You know what I mean? Like you like you, you like drop a glass oh, and yeah, like the, it's the on its way to the floor. But you're like. Let me kick it real quick. That's definitely going to save this glass. <laughs> yeah, I just also love the uh, the idea of like, oh, here's this like glass. I should just use my bare foot to kick it. That That's not going to end terribly anytime. <laughs> so, I mean, I've saved a lot of glasses that way. I'm just going to put it out there. But okay. I, I basically only can have pint glasses and coffee mugs in my house because I have children. So that's all we can have. True. 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 Things true. that are most indestructible and plastic <laughs> and plastic cups, I guess. But Oh, man. Oh boy. <laughs> it feels weird, but uh as an adult, like we have a cupboard that are just like a collection of pint glasses you get from like friends' weddings or events mm-hmm. you go to or mm-hmm. runs or whatever. And for Christmas, uh my parents bought us like adult glasses. They look like like little orange juice shooters that you would get at like brunch or something. But mm-hmm. like who the hell wants to drink out of those? Like, yeah. no, give me a pint glass. Like yes. we have this box of night glasses that just don't get used because like real humans don't drink out of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's your little like champagne flutes it's like why do we have these yeah, terrible like, terrible i mean we we have uh we have a rack with like eight wine glasses in it and it's like neither me or my girlfriend drink wine so they i don't think they've been used once in the uh the five months since we moved into this apartment <laughs> but say so, question for you have you guys been playing any legacy like i know that people have started to get back to paper play all that stuff have you two uh dusted off the old cardboard I've dusted off the cardboard, but I haven't played any cardboard. I've just been playing on Magic Online. Uh, I actually don't know if Gaming Etc. is doing FNMs anymore, which is sad. I, think, I, th- I believe they are. I are believe they? they are doing FNMs. I believe so, yeah. We were we were talking to Michelle a little while ago to, about organizing the, the next Leaving a Legacy event. And uh, she mentioned how like they completely redesigned their tournament play. And yeah, I haven't had a their chance. Their business model in general, I think, is, is updated, you know. Yeah, they they've they've like changed a lot around and I just haven't had a chance to kind of check out the new schedule. But yeah, I uh I would love to play some paper. I just I guess I've been waiting for a big uh you know paper event to happen mm-hmm. that I can actually go to. I know I've definitely spoiled some uh situations where there was like the Valentine's Day Star City Games tournament and uh you know a couple other uh you know localish tournaments on the East Coast. But I don't know, I guess I'm just I'm waiting for something that's probably not going to come back anytime time soon in yeah. the ways of like a legacy gp or something like that yeah i don't know if that's gonna happen in fact i don't know if gps are ever gonna really come back right uh so i wouldn't hold uh your breath for that the star city opens are probably like the closest thing you're going to get nowadays and even those feel a little bit weird there's no coverage like I don't know. They feel like glorified. Uh, it definitely feels like the ship has sailed, but for like magic, like not just legacy, but for like magic in general, like, I feel like everyone had this understanding that like, Oh, when COVID's over, it's going to be like flicking a light switch and we're just going to go back to, you know, how it was before. Mm-hmm. And instead it's just been this like slow whimper <laughs> as we've been yeah. like yeah. trying to get back into more normal tournament magic. And it's just, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the way it was before. Well, hmm. e- even if you think back to right before it started uh, COVID, that is, 
Wizards was already cutting support for Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. like, it was Big already time. happening. Yeah. They just used COVID as, a, as an excuse to rip off the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. So I think their whole focus is on Arena. Like if you look at their reports, they're posting year after year if just like best personal best from Arena raking in money. So like why would they try to cater to the 0.5% of competitive players when they're building this giant fan base full of casuals? Like yeah. if you're not selling Commander, no one cares about you. Uh, so like, it's sort of just the harsh truth. Like if you look at all the popular magic content creators, they cater to the casuals because that's where the money's at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of blows my mind, but I saw, read the stat earlier this week that, um, mobile gaming is a larger industry than PC gaming and yep. console gaming. Yeah. 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 Combined by, by a significant amount. It's not like, a, it's not a trivial amount either. Well, you're getting yeah. moms and like dads playing candy crush. where mm-hmm. like, those people are like, Oh no, I'm not a gamer, but yet they'll spend $20 on gems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So like uh, your, your market is just larger. Yeah. But yeah. It's something like 90 billion a year on mobile games. You know, PC games was like 25 billion and console gaming was like 35 billion. Yeah, it's crazy. Or maybe those two were reversed. But either way, it's still it's like mobile gaming was significantly more. And I just feel that's kind of the, you know, gaming in general is heading in that direction. But I definitely feel with magic with them, you know, being arena, being the new baby. So it's tough to argue that it's always weird. And uh, man, I'm going to sound like an asshole when I say this, but it's weird when like uh content creators that i know post the legacy subreddit and they're just met with like such like we're tired of you spamming your shit here it's like okay well how about i quit posting here that's one less person making legacy content Mm -hmm. or maybe i'll just stop making legacy content and i'll only focus on modern or pauper where people are grateful and before you know it there's no people playing legacy just because of a few people decided that they didn't want to see your stuff anymore uh and it's just weird to me that like legacy people are so snooty about what content they want to see uh because if you look at the subreddit people get downloaded very quickly in there i'm not even talking about me i'm talking about other people like phil gallagher and you know uh i'm not going to list any other names but like uh it's just weird because like you'll see an article be posted and there will just be five downvotes in the first 10 minutes before it starts getting upvoted by the masses and it's like who's just sitting on reddit downvoting content that's being created for like it's just so strange to me yeah i mean that's one like that's a big reason why i deleted twitter and got off a lot of the social media like the magic social medias is the legacy community in person i think is one of the greatest communities ever you know people come together we've had so many charity drives and so many great causes and things like that but man magic twitter is a freaking cesspool yeah i don't, I don't <laughs> even know why people go on there honestly like it's it's just it's so useless it's just useless but but yeah you're right brian like people just get really salty over nothing and you know the down votes you know come flowing and it just makes you wonder it's like uh, eventually we're just going to be cannibalizing ourselves, and there's just not going to be any content left. Like you said, one thing that uh, we've preached in our podcast, the eternal glory podcast is that <laughs> not enough people are playing popper. Like popper is legacy light in a lot of mm. ways. Like the play patterns that people want exist in that format because you'll hear people that are like, I'd like to go back to the days where AK was playable. Go play popper. Or I want to play duress in my deck. Go play popper. Like, you like you could play those cards in those style of decks at a lower power level in that format. You don't have to deal with getting chaliced or getting blood mooned or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
I should do that because I, I, I'm a victim of that too because I complain about the price of like uh, legacy decks on Magic Online. I should just like fire up uh, some popper leagues and like rent. It's rent so some, much fun. Rent some popper decks and just run because yeah, I've like I've had the opportunity to and I've just I've never done a popper league on Magic Online and I should just do that because you're right. I mean, it, it it does have those like early or not early but like late late tw- uh, twenty teens <laughs> uh, like play patterns that you miss. Yeah, like Bogles, if you're like you're a modern fan of that deck, like that's like the second best deck in the format right now. The goblin combo deck, uh, it r- wins with first day of class is like an infinite goblin damage deck. Mm-hmm. It wins on like turn three. That's super popular. So like if you're a fan of goblins, it's like one of the best decks there. Uh, and like fairies, there's just like all sorts of these decks that people love from their past and they all exist in this format, but nobody plays it. Uh, it's just really weird to me because I think there's like a stigma against playing with commons, but like commons rule. Yeah, I just I feel I think the reason what always turned me off of uh, Popper was I felt a little too restricted in that, you know, they're like you just wish it's like, oh, man, if only this uncommon was printed at common, like I'd really love to be able to play with this particular <laughs> card. And it's just like, oh, well, I could if I just make a really bad legacy deck and then I end up just making a really bad legacy deck instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know but i was trying to think if there's anything like comparable to sneak and show and honestly i don't know if there is not that you're only capable of playing those style decks like bogles would probably be up your alley but then there's like the large tron decks where like um they play giant cascade creatures so you play like an eight that cascades into a seven five that cascades into a six three and before you know it you have like 20 power on the board yeah. Um, so there's like some pretty cool decks like that, but there's really something for everyone. If you just happen to look at the format. Oh man. Yeah. This Tron deck is 14 ticks. Yeah. Like 14 <laughs> ticks. A pretty sweet, pretty sweet format. I, when I, I remember I was, I was jamming mono black control when it was still, I don't know if it's still a deck, but it was like, it's one of the few other formats that I really like thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was a very fun format to play. And this was like years ago. So it, I don't know what it's like now, but. So when you talk to coworkers, because like I'm back into working in the office or whatever, mm-hmm. and you have coworkers that are like, oh, I started playing arena or whatever. I'd like to start playing more paper magic. You can't suggest to them go buy a legacy deck. They're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go spend six grand on sneak and show. Like that's not something you could tell a stranger to go do. Cause it, like, mm-hmm. they're just going to look at you like you're crazy, but you can go, Hey, uh, there's this format that I play called pauper. It's only commons. You can buy decks for $15. They're going to mm-hmm. be like, Oh, I can afford $15 and you get them into that legacy play feel. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's important because you get them in the door and then, you know, before you know it, maybe they'll expand their interest in a modern or the legacy. And, you know, you get them into these eternal formats. Uh, Not that popper needs to be a gateway drug, but it's good for it. It's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Like who doesn't love gateway drugs? A little bit of taste. See what it tastes like. I will say though that a uh, cycle storm and popper is a two hundred dollar popper deck. <laughs> that is that's my baby. Uh, it's because <laughs> the lotus petal is super expensive. It's like forty uh, yeah. tickets oh, really? for a lotus petal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's lotus oh, petals wow, and cabal rituals. Yeah, it's one hundred and eighty eight ticks or one hundred and seventy two dollars. And yeah, it's because cabal rituals are it's thirty bucks for a play set of those, fifteen bucks for a play set of Manamorphos. whole eighty. Since when have Lotus Petals been $20 a pop? When did that happen? Oh, uh, that's the paper price, right? Yeah, yeah that's okay. the paper price. I did not realize Lotus Petals were up to 20 bucks each. They're $35 oh, online. There's a $46 Goblins deck. Yeah. So pretty soon you'll be uh, leaving a popper. I hate to do Ray, this to you, know? you, but 
Well, Pat, we did want to do a uh, a stream and we can I know. Stream, stream some popper. Do you want to stream popper? Yeah, I'd be down to stream this uh, goblins list. It's so much fun. I have a built-in paper. I goldfish it when I'm bored. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, what's nice about popper, and I'm going to sound like a heathen here, but a lot of people know that I like really nice cards. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have a, a goblins deck that costs 20 bucks, you can riffle shuffle that as hard as you want. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, I thought you were going to go with, it's like, yeah, so uh, my Japanese foil popper deck uh, clocks in at about $2,000. <laughs> Just like, oh, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I do have cycle storm Japanese foil. <laughs> Of course you do. Of course you do. I wonder what, like, if you went completely bougie, what the most expensive popper deck you could make it would be. You know, summer summer basics, uh, Japanese foil and Russian foil, alternate rare editions. Like, what, what could be the most expensive popper deck you could make? I'm not sure. I do know that Snuff Out is, like, really expensive. Even for, like, a regular version, they're, like, 20 bucks. And uh, Brian Koval happens to have like super fancy uh, snuff outs too. So those are definitely a high ticket item for the format. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, also the Goblins deck runs on Earth Pat. So of course we have to play it. I can get this whole thing for $48 in paper right now. Like I have it in my cart. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's so Pat, awesome. Pat, you work 12 hours today. You, treat yourself. Treat yourself. Hit deliver. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Well, am I going to play this deck? <laughs> I have nowhere to play it. Yeah, I don't Pat- care. Pat, think about it this. You won't ever be tempted to sell it because it's not worth anything. <laughs> I'm not even going to be tempted. I wouldn't even be tempted to sleeve it. I'm just going to rubber band this bitch. <laughs> if I was Pat, I'd probably buy a couple decks. I mean, Pat has sons that are about it's the true. age that they get interested in wizardry. And because uh, when I was a kid, we were wizards. We weren't planeswalkers. That's true. And you, you go battle another As wizard. As Rich Shea, we're still wizards. Uh, we're here with our <laughs> wizards convention. We need to uh, meet our very important wizard friends. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was so funny. Yeah, I don't know so what this funny. planeswalker thing is. I'm definitely a wizard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Pat, you should you should get like two two popper decks and just force your kids to play against you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And then they can go to school telling their like guidance counselor, my dad got me hooked on cardboard crack, that gateway drug. <laughs> hey, teach your kid to play magic and they won't have money for real drugs. It's it's a win win. Yeah, goblins. This goblin deck is sweet, actually. I love this. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of like if also if you're like someone that really likes like the grindy nature of limited, mm-hmm. uh the format has some of that because like the red white bounce decks right now, it's like, okay, I'm gonna play Icker Wellspring, I'll draw a card, I'll bounce Icker Wellspring, I'll replay it again, draw a card. Like that play pattern is like one of the best decks right now. And it sounds silly, but it also can just like bum rush you by going like, okay, I'm gonna play a bunch of squadron hawks and then play rally the peasants, kill mm-hmm. you. Uh, so like it has both play patterns. So like, it's not just all grind. You can, you know, play the matchup however you need to. I don't know. Like, I think popper's just a lot deeper than people actually think it is. I totally agree. I totally agree. My experience with it is always, it's always way more fun than it appears from the surface. You know what I mean? I mean, if you couldn't tell, but from listening to me, it's my second favorite format at this point. Like it's past modern. Like I just yeah. love it. So I spend time thinking about when I'm not playing magic. I'm like, just really? like yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing that's uh, a little concerning to me though, Brian, is it appears that three of the top 10 most popular decks are burn flavors. So we got burn white, red burn and black, red burn as three of the more popular, uh, popper decks. The black, red burn is just coming to power. Like that deck is relatively new mm. And the Boros aggro deck. Isn't really a burn deck. That's the Boros bounce deck. 
Um, oh, okay. It runs like Seeker of the Way, Core Sky Fisher, uh, Cut Out the Rebirth. That, like, it's definitely not a burn deck. Like, yes, it has both in Gaff Blast, but like, that's it. Do Do they have like challenges for this? Or like big, yeah. like large, uh, yeah. There's Sunday at 1 p.m. So after you scrub out of the legacy challenge, Jerry, you have another challenge you can play in. Excellent. Do they fire? Do they ch- typically fire? The oh, all ones? the time. Yeah. Really? Yep. They get like 64 plus. We should just do like a popper, like a popper challenge on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, I've won a couple of them. They're fun. Nice. Oh, this uh, this Boros Agro deck is actually pretty similar to the deck I took to uh, Pro Tour Barcelona, the Quest for the Holy Relic. Uh, <laughs> deck with like glint hawks and uh core sky fishers they're just you know not running the quest since it's a rare i mean a minute ago you called it a burn deck jerry you gotta make up your mind here well it, it looks like a burn deck at first i mean it's running yeah. freaking galvanic blasts and lightning bolts and a bunch of cheap creatures there's a like you might be listening to this and thinking like well there's no control decks like uh the familiar stack is a control deck with a combo finish. You just like gain infinite life after flickering your creatures over mm-hmm. and over. So it feels pretty silly. There's also just like a traditional just guy control deck that uses uh, cleansing wildfire as rampant growth that also draws a card. Like there's definitely something for everyone. You're right. It definitely feels like here are these cards that like I wish were still legacy playable, but aren't. <laughs> And that's what bothers me is like, you'll read Reddit or like, I'm sorry to say this, but the leaving a legacy Facebook group and people are like, I just want to play AK again. It's like, well then go play this other format mm-hmm. where you're allowed to do that. It's like, I, I think legacy is supposed to be this space where you should be able to play everything that is legal and powerful. And I don't like participating in the discussions where people are like, well, I think we need to ban these 15 cards to get back to pre-war of the spark. Who are you kidding? Is it yourself? Like, I don't know why you think you're ever traveling back in time to that. I feel silly to me. I feel every legacy player feels that they want to play with a specific card, but they can't trust the other legacy players not to break it. Like, it's like, man, if only I was allowed to play death, right? Shaman, it would be a totally fine card because I want to run it in this like wacky deck where I use it to exile creatures from my graveyard uh, to cast them. Like if death, right? Shaman was legal. I would just want to play a Lurin. And it's just like, it, it just doesn't work that way. You know, you, you can't just have these gentlemen agreements about cards and expect the, to have a functioning format. I'm glad you use that term, Jerry. So I was a guest on a EDH or CEDH uh, stream last week, this week. Mm-hmm. What is time? And mm-hmm. I had a blast. But uh, I attempted to break a gentleman's rule that I was unaware of, which is like you can't make any sort of spite plays. Even if someone won the previous game, you're just not allowed to do that. I don't play a lot of EDH. And they were like, no, you can't do that. But honestly, uh, because like someone messaged me after, I think gentlemen's agreements are one of the worst things about magic. It's just so douchey. Like, if you want to play a card, play a card, uh, whatever. It's just like people get this like sort of entitledness that like, oh, no, I'm playing it the proper way. It's you that's not doing it the improper way because I'm <laughs> fancy or whatever. It's just like, get off your high horse. We're all like playing wizard cards, like calm down. It's like, man, I just want to play skull clamp, but these stupid, you know, combo players draw a whole bunch of cards with it. And it just, no, you like, you, you just can't, you can't, you know, it's, it's all or nothing. I forget the philosopher, 
but it might be Nietzsche, but uh, the whole idea being is the only way to make a law is to make that law apply equally to everyone. If the law does not apply equally to everyone, it is not a good law. And that's kind of how I feel about magic cards where it's like, if you have to say, it's like, if only I could play this card or, you know, if only people would play this card the way I want them to play it, you know, it, then the, the problem is, is not people. The problem is the card itself. But what about people that are above the law, Jerry? What about those <laughs> yeah. people? Oh, billionaires? Yeah, no, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> yeah, fun fact, Jeff Bezos can still play Deathrite Shaman in Legacy. He just hasn't had enough time to uh, you know, go to a tournament lately. <laughs> so uh, since we're reminiscing and talking about past decks and stuff, if you could pick one deck, any deck, that is no longer playable and you can make it playable and have it be somewhat viable. What would you want it to be? Esper Stoneblade. Ooh. Deep cut. How about you, Pat? The, the ghost of Tom Smiley is uh just irresistible. Man, all the all the, I'm gonna get so much hate mail from Esper Stoneblade players who's like, <laughs> it's still it's still relevant. Stoneforge Mystic and Thoughtseize is still relevant. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, guys. Nice try. Um, if I could bring a deck back, maybe, maybe infect. I've always liked playing against that deck and it's just so irrelevant now. I wouldn't mind seeing in fact, make its way back. What about you? Okay. Brian? What do you, what do you want? I asked it without having my own answer. Oh, uh, no. So I started thinking Classic about mistake. it. Uh, so I was thinking about decks that I played that I used to love as a kid. And then like, once I started being the storm guy, I quit playing, but uh, as a youth, I used to love Cephalid Breakfast. Like I played it in Extended, and then I played it in Pat's Legacy. Least favorite deck. Uh, I'm, I'm well aware of how he feels about Lab Man. Uh, I, I just got I've the, gotten cheesed out, uh, cheesed by it so many times. It just anyway, continue, continue. I was on the episode that uh, I told Pat what Fast's Oracle did, and he was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, when it was Throne of Eldraine yeah. preview. Yeah, <laughs> just like what? <laughs> they made a better Lab Man. Instant rage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh back in the day in extended you would mill your own deck and then you would have to play cross and reclamation to shuffle two cards back into your deck you would untap cast stitch together to put such your goal into play and then you would remove like giant creatures from your graveyard and attach dragon's breath to it like cephalid oh, breakfast yeah, used to have to do a lot of work breath. i remember that yep the warthog the spicy warthog <laughs> spicy warthog win condition <laughs> but uh yeah i played a lot of that i don't know oh uh, yeah man the good old days uh so we're getting a little late in the night so i guess we'll start to to wrap it up brian one uh segment we've introduced since the last time you've been on is a uh our very own anti-work segment if you're familiar with the anti-work movement do you have any uh uh horrible boss stories or like horrible workplace experience where either you just you know were fed up with it or maybe even got a little bit of sweet revenge that you'd like to share uh I would be terrified if my employer ever heard this, so I would not partake. <laughs> You've only ever worked for one employer? Uh, I've been at the same company the last eight and a half years. So. Oh, company man. They, do they, they treat you well? Do they treat you well? I could probably be paid a little bit more, but other than that, it's fine. <laughs> What's it like living in the company house, getting paid in company scripts that you can spend at the company general store? <laughs> it's fine. They sell magic cards, so <laughs> I mean I've bought a lot of Japanese foils over the last eight and a half years. I like it. 
I like it. Awesome. All right, Jerry. Um, you want to? We can wrap it up with uh, scoops. Scoops. Who you want to scoop in top eight this week, Jerry? Oh, I like man. how like the last like twenty minutes, Pat's been falling asleep at his mic, and all of a sudden he gets to the end of the podcast, he's just like vibrant. He's like, "Yes, listen." Thassa's oracles bed. mentioned. I'm like ready to go now. So <laughs> just pure rage. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, rage. I have been up for twenty two hours just about now. So yeah, I apologize. I am just uh. I'm beat, so <laughs> I'm just happy to be here looking at your ginger beard, Pat. There you go. See, <laughs> uh, so who you want to scoop in a top eight this week, Jerry? Uh, I don't really have a scoop this week, so I guess I'll scoop in Thassa's Oracle for being oh. 10 times stronger than coffee. All right, how about you, Brian? Who you want to scoop in a top eight this week? I would like to scoop in the entire Epic Storm staff. You're all great, and I appreciate you. And yeah. uh, the Storm Discord, uh, if you're not a part of it, we have a fantastic community. A lot of people across various formats. It's not just Legacy. Uh, we have other sub-formats in there, but it's really a, a great place. Like Ever since uh, like Alex and I have taken over, it's grown a lot, and the discussion is just really good. So if you're interested in playing combo, definitely go check that out. Nice. That's Sweet. awesome. Uh, yeah, I love that. I'm going to scoop in. I'm going to scoop in your, uh, your, uh, your crew over there too, Bryant. I think that's, I think that's wonderful. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, people making legacy content. Cause like we said, it's a, uh, it seems to be a dying breed out there. So love to see people still cranking away at it, you know? Hell yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I miss back when leaving a legacy used to have a, an outro song and I could be like, Pat, play me, take me home tonight. And, uh, that's just <laughs> well, not a thing anymore. We, we got a bunch of those. Uh, D, what is it? DRM or whatever, like DRM yeah, a bunch, or whatever that got <laughs> a, taken down. A bunch down, of so. episodes got taken down. So yeah. Like, sad. sad. I'm sure Eddie Money doesn't have any copyright on their music. No, like, it's, it's, it's in the public domain by now, right? <laughs> I do got to Actually, I'm going to change my answer, Pat. I do have a scoop in. I'm going to scoop in our editor, Justin for featuring those electric cowboy uh songs into the uh the cast <laughs> playing just enough for us to not get a dda <laughs> uh but yeah so i guess that's it pat unless we got any announcements for next week uh if you want to support the show obviously go to patreon.com slash leaving legacy and um, I will put in a bunch of links for uh, for Bryant's uh, website and their Patreon and all that stuff in the show notes for the week. Uh, with that, thanks again for coming on, Brian. Always a pleasure to have you on. I believe you are, you know, rapidly outpacing Wilson for our most appearing uh, guest. So you know, you gotta just you know solidify that lead. Well, you'll have to have me back soon. Thanks for yes. having me, guys. <laughs> Anytime, man. Thanks for coming. <laughs>